0: Hi, this is Kane Hodder, Victor Crowley, Jason from Friday the 13th. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com.
1: of the station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil i'm joined by the returning horror icon he's chopped top otis he's uh, he's actually the guy who introduced me to the, the genius of the human centipede and you can see him in shed <laughs> of the dead comes out the 17th bill mosley it's very cool to have you here
2: well thank you very much nice to nice to be back
1: yeah yeah so how did you get involved in the shed of the dead
2: Um, You know, I got a call one day from my uh, manager, Judy Fox, and she said, um, uh, how would you like to go to England and be in a horror zombie comedy called Shed of the Dead? And I said, uh, sure, (laughs) I'm always I'm always happy to, you know, to uh, I'm always happy to get to get, uh, opportunities to work. So, uh, that was really what, what sealed the deal. I, I read the script. It looked great. I liked the character doc, my, my character in the uh, movie. And, uh, you know, I saw that, uh, my buddies, uh, Michael Berryman and uh, Kane Hodder were also in on it. And so I said, Shit, yeah.
1: Yeah. So was it a, was it a fun experience?
2: Um, you know, it was actually, it was, uh, it was interesting. There were some highs and lows. It was, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the script was great. Uh, I really liked working for the director, Drew Cullingham and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I love England, so it was nice to be there. Yeah. Um, it was funny at first because, uh, at first we were, Michael and I flew together and we were, Uh, We ended up at a uh, a hotel called the Ibis, which uh, turned out to be, uh, you know, it was, uh, I thought we we were going to get a view of the Thames. So I had this idea that it was going to be this fabulous English hotel with a balcony overlooking the Thames and how romantic and fabulous that would be. And uh, as it turned out, it was like a trucker's hotel in an industrial park (laughs) Uh and, uh, you know, with uh, kind of module rooms that looked like they'd all been assembled like a, like a big jigsaw puzzle. And uh, there were lots of used condoms, uh, you know, <laughs> the place. So
3: uh-huh. it
2: really, uh, it wasn't exactly what I had imagined. Um, but, um, you know, the good news is the production uh, under, the, uh, uh, the, under the direction of uh, good old Nick Lean, who's uh, David Lean's nephew, um, made sure that uh, we got out of there and got into a uh, proper, <laughs> proper English <laughs> hotel, which was a lot easier on the uh, the eyes and the brain.
1: All right. Yeah. So, it was, well, it was uh, romantic for somebody if there was uh, some used condoms. <laughs>
2: <there>. Apparently. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I really like uh, your character. We, oh, sorry. We, oh yes. Yeah, sorry,
2: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, you finish soon.
2: I was just going to say that it was, uh, you know, so there were, there, there are always on any production, there are always challenges, you know, unless it's, uh, you know, the Avengers end game, in which case, you know, the pace is slow and everybody, you know, is rolling in cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, my bailiwick seems to be low budget independent horror features. And, uh, so they're always, uh, you know, more, uh, challenges, let's say. And, uh, and different uh, kind of a different topography altogether. So uh and that's what makes it fun and actually ends up uh informing the character uh from time to time.
1: hmm I really I really dug your character in the movie. I really loved the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. But uh so you're oh, your guys you. yeah, so you're kinda of like a ser well, you are a ser- I don't want to give too much away, I guess, but like a serial killer cannibal. And I like the fact that you actually are having fun and enjoying the zombie apocalypse.
2: Absolutely. I mean, for, for, uh, for Doc, it really is a dream come true. And, uh, you know, the whole idea of uh necklace of uh, dried ears and vaginas and nipples and whatever I've, you know, carrying around, uh, you know, it's very much, uh, you know, it's, it takes the page out of, uh, the Vietnam war when, uh, you know, that was really the first time those kinds of images were in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Doc really just does seem like, um, uh, a guy who uh you know is set to keep everything on the on the on the sly just uh, all of his uh his midnight uh, meanderings and burials and uh, now thanks to the apocalypse not only can he do what he loves to do out in the open but he's really kind of uh, heroic
1: yeah it's a neat it's a neat twist he's like the, he's a hero now in in this new world yeah and yeah. Uh, since And since there are a lot of zombie, you know, movies, it's cool when something like original comes along.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, that's why I thought that, um, you know, for what this movie was, you know, of course, I was a big fan of Shaun of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I was thinking that that uh, I didn't know if that was going to, you know, be a, uh, a conflict insofar as that that you know, it was such a popular movie that was this going to just be another, uh, you know, kind of a, a remake of Shaun of the dead, but then it has its own, you know, individual quirks and, uh, the storyline. Uh, you know, I love the, um, you know, I love the fantasy, uh, part of it that's mm-hmm. weaved into the, uh, or woven into the, um, into the plot where there are these, you know, kind of flights of fantasy and, uh, you know, it ends up being really kind of cool. I think it ends up actually being kind of, uh, you know, it's actually, there, there are some, you know, real emotional moments in it. Uh, you know, the whole thing is, you know, pretty amazing, especially when you consider, um, uh, what, uh, the way that Michael Berryman appears. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Gotta say that when he came out in that costume, uh, I was there <laughs> that night, we were shooting together that night and, uh, I really was uh, just uh, dumbstruck. I thought that was pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Uh, So you never saw that side before, Michael Berryman?
2: No, you never really
1: have.
2: (laughs) You know, and it's so funny. I mean, uh, that was even more surprising than, well, actually, it was right up there with um, Lords of Salem. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the Rob Zombie movie where Michael and Sid Haig are uh, witch hunters, and and Michael has... uh, uh, long curly hair under his black mm-hmm. cap, which uh, I thought was also a pretty, <laughs> pretty wild look.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's a, I but would say, say that's really really
2: can't touch. Yeah,
1: mm. I would say that's a really underrated uh, Rob Zombie movie, in my opinion, is uh, Lords of Salem.
2: Yeah, um, you <laughs> know, I thought I thought there was a, there was a lot of it. Uh, you know, I I actually especially would love to see. I don't know if it would be a sequel or a spinoff, but I thought that uh, in Lords of Salem, the, all of the uh, uh, the historical stuff from, you know, the witches in Salem and the 1600s, I thought all of that stuff was really cool, and I would love to have seen a, a whole movie of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm in Massachusetts, so I went and uh, my friend showed me some of the places like where it was actually filmed, so that was pretty cool.
2: That is cool.
1: Yeah. So you uh, has some great lines in "Shed" in "Shed of the uh, Shed of the Dead." Uh, I particularly liked if you soak them in vinegar long enough, they taste like calamari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so know, when you—that's
2: you, <laughs> Drew Cullingham, that's our writer director.
1: Yeah, had you had you known him before the movie?
2: Um, I had not, no.
1: Yeah, so is he? Uh, when you work with like a young director? Uh, is that always a fun experience? Well, I assume sometimes it's maybe not. Or uh, what kind of experiences are like when you go in and it's like a, a new director you haven't worked with before?
4: Well,
2: you know it is. Uh, you know it's interesting because um, a lot of those jobs for me are are uh, offers. So mm-hmm. they basically say well, we would love to have Bill in this movie playing this part. So that's great. So right off the bat, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that they want me in their movie. Um, and so already I'm, I'm kindly disposed toward, you know, toward my employers, um, meeting the directors, uh, for the most part, it's been a, a really great experience. Of course, everyone is different.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: sometimes, uh, you know, certainly there are different directorial styles, uh, sometimes they just want you to do exactly what they say. And, uh, other times, uh, that's that I can do that, but it's less fun for me. Other times, uh, like with drew, uh, you know, it's, it's, it feels a lot more collaborative so that, uh, if you have an idea, um, uh, and it works for the writer director, then, you know, you know, the more the merrier, um, I I also understand that uh, directors can get a little uh, overwhelmed by actors who think that they know better and want to rewrite the whole script. And so that can get a little too much. But, um, you know, every once in a while I try to, you know, if I see something, I I I, uh, I'm always happy when the relationship is such that it seems like that's that it's okay for me to suggest something or say, hey, what about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, drew was uh, very easy to work with.
3: Mm-hmm. I think
2: he was very happy. A lot of times what we don't, un- w- w- as actors, we don't really understand the, the Genesis of the project. I mean, drew wrote the thing. I'm sure it went through a bunch of different drafts. Uh, you know, he teamed up with Nick lean. They had to go find the money. Uh, you know, there so much goes into the pre-production that mm-hmm. uh, you know then the actors arrive and we're all so excited and you know and uh you know trying to please the director uh, some of us older actors are trying to just remember the fucking lines <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know you're kind of working it out and you know duking it out with the costume people and the makeup people and you know so there's all of the buzz of the production
3: mm-hmm. and
2: um and then, uh, you know, we, we fly away uh, excited because we've had, you know, let's say we've had a good experience. Uh, and then we just, uh, you know, go back home and cross our fingers that um, they don't, you know, kill the thing in post-production. Mm-hmm. Uh, along those sometimes lines. They do. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they, you know, they cut things out or they use certain takes or they, you know, it just, it, it you know, post-production is such an important part of Mm-hmm. of a movie. And then and then with Shed of the Dead, I think that, you know, we did that actually a couple of years ago. And then there's uh, so then there's not only post production, but then there's uh trying to find uh you know, distribution.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And all kinds of things can can happen behind the scenes until finally you know, the uh the the lords of the uh of, of the cinema, you know, <laughs> tap you on the head with a magic wand and Voila! Tomorrow night it uh, finally
1: opens. Yeah, yeah. Do, have you seen the finished movie?
2: Um, I have actually. Yes.
1: And so, uh, when you saw, um, what did you think when the first time you saw it? And like, I love like the uh, the animation sequences at the beginning and the fantasy stuff, like you mentioned.
2: That's yes, I loved that. I thought it was. Uh, I thought you know, I I loved the, I loved uh, I loved the movie, and mm-hmm. I thought that. Um, you know, based on all of the uh, travails of it coming to market, uh, that it really was a a triumph. Not only uh, just uh, you know, not only in terms of the movie itself, but also you know the fact that it had to overcome some difficulties. Um, and uh, I I thought it was great. You know, for what it for what it promised to be, it it absolutely delivered.
3: Yeah, and I, I thought uh, Kane sure.
2: hotter. I thought Kane's,
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kane's uh,
2: efforts were were really awesome. I you know I, I was glad that that the three of us, you know, Kane and Michael and I showed up and and uh, you know got into the project, got into the production. You know, weren't trying to you know outshine anybody or do anything you know more than what was asked of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought we all uh, you know I was actually. You know, relieved to see that we all delivered, you know, in a fairly, you know, obviously visible, but, you know, uh, low key enough so that we didn't, uh, you know, steal any spotlights from anybody and just really kind of uh, fit right into the production. I thought that was also very gratifying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, people get mad if I don't ask, but I don't know how much uh, you could talk about uh, three from hell.
2: Um, I can say that uh, it's coming uh, sometime in 2019. Um, you know, the latest I've heard from uh, Rob, you know, the latest I've read, actually, I read it online as uh, just like anybody else, <laughs> uh, and that is that um, uh, it. after two months of wrangling with the uh, Motion Picture Association of America, the ratings board, Mm. that three from hell finally got a, uh, an R rating. Okay. And uh, it was very funny cause it's, it's a qualified R it's like for bloody violence and nudity <laughs> and coarse language. <laughs> <You> know, just, <laughs> yeah. just about everything, you know, that you want in a, a horror movie these days that, that uh, very few actually really deliver. So mm-hmm. I'm, I was very excited about that. I'm glad that he got the R rating. Of course we had to, yeah. um, and I, you know, and he took, Two months, and I'm sure by now Rob is really good at wrangling with uh, the MPAA <laughs> since they're always, you know, duking it out uh, just about every movie he makes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is secured. Um, when it comes out, I'm not sure. I've heard sometime in the fall. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I, I I saw somebody posted that it was coming out October 31st, but then Rob refuted that, so that was just another rumor. Uh, what what I am excited about is that uh, everybody seems to be aware of it. They're very mm-hmm. excited for it, and um, uh, I do know that Rob is really really happy with the movie. And so that when it does come out, um, I think he's uh, he's very proud of it. And uh, you know, in the meantime, of course, he's on tour with Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, which is actually great. He's a great, uh, marketing person. And of course, when he's on stage in front of 30,000 people, uh, I know from seeing the end the last, uh, stop of his, uh, Manson tour last year, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, during a break when he's doing a costume change, you know, up comes the, uh, the teaser trailer for three from hell. So He's oh, out nice. there uh, marketing it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's <laughs> so, pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which,
2: yeah, Which is a lot of, a lot of words for, and, and saying very little, I know.
1: But. Yeah, no, that's cool. I understand. And I don't want to know too much about it yeah. either. Yeah. So, but I, I did want to ask something because I always find it interesting that it's really called like this a sequel, The Devil's Rejects, as opposed to like the third one in The House of a Thousand Corpses. And yeah. Uh, I don't really think, you know, I don't know why I find that interesting because it's more of a sequel to the second movie as of the third one in the, in the trilogy. So is, uh, would yeah, you say that, I, I, hadn't that, you're that. More...
2: I hadn't heard that really? And I, I hadn't really even thought about the, the, uh, the, the distinction, uh, between one or the other, but, um, uh, it is, it is going to, uh, you know, it does definitely have, uh, the fireflies. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're still in it, and uh, that's why they say free, free to three. And <laughs> you know, I've seen a T-shirt. In fact, I think they even sent me one with uh, Sid, oh, nice. me, and Sherry on it. There's another mm-hmm. T-shirt with uh, Sid, uh, uh, Sherry and Richard Brake and me. Uh, you know, I, as I say, I uh, basically just, you know, we'll we'll sit back and wait, and and I, you know, I, as I say, I hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, very you... exciting for me because uh, you know it's it's something it, you know it was I think Devil's Rejects was two thousand five,
3: mm-hmm. so
2: that was a mere fourteen years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, so of course it's you know, it's exciting, <laughs> yeah,
3: you yeah know, definitely. Uh,
2: and uh, uh, the problem, of course, is that uh, you know it's we all have to wait, and uh, you know mm. I'm, I'm sure if we you know have on this summer or whatever, you know, the way the time will go by quickly enough. But, uh, right now it just seems like, you know, when is it going to
1: come out, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, are you still doing music with, uh, Phil Salmo
2: Um, you know, I'm not actually doing it with Phil right now, uh, mm-hmm. but I am doing it with another Housecore records, uh, band called war beast. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they just lost their lead singer, Bruce Corbett, who died of cancer a couple of months ago. And oh, uh, the guys from War Beast um, and I are forming. We formed a little group called Mr. Machine, and uh, we're working on uh, some songs right now. So that's uh, that's very exciting.
1: Very cool. I'm like, uh, I'm curious yeah. to check it out. I always, I always dig your music. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, <laughs> man. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Shed of the Dead comes out uh, tomorrow. In, fact, the in fact,
2: yes, and in fact, I just I just saw on online actually that uh, that uh, Buckethead turned uh, 50 a couple of days ago.
1: Oh, really? Well, happy birthday to Buckethead. And That's pretty <laughs>
2: well. Yeah, happy birthday <laughs> yeah. to
1: Buckethead. <laughs> if I'm sure he's listening. He listens every episode. So uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: come on, Buckethead.
1: <laughs> uh, Shed of the Dead comes out tomorrow, and it's cool. It's going to be at uh, so so. Check the website and stuff because it's at. Uh, you know, it's going to be at, uh, theaters in, in different, uh, mar- like I 20, think 25 markets. So that's very cool. And, uh, yeah, I really, cool. d- yeah, I really dug it. I really had a lot of fun, not just cause you're here either. I really had a good time watching the movie.
2: No, well, I appreciate it. And I, you know, and I appreciate Indicant pictures and they're the, they're the company that, uh, that picked up uh, shed of the dead for distribution. So, you know, shout out to them, um, you know, and to Nick lean and drew Cunningham for, for staying with it. And, uh, you know, it's very exciting again that um, you know it's it's finally coming out.
1: You yeah. know, we we love that. Mm-hmm. And I'm an old Dungeons and Dragons uh, nerd, so I was uh, oh, I was I, very pleased. Yeah, I was very pleased to see uh to see the fantasy stuff in it.
2: Yeah, me too. <laughs> cool. All and right, again, well, and of course, uh, in my, and Michael Berryman.
1: <laughs> yeah, Michael. Yeah, in
2: an unforgettable, an unforgettable <laughs> role and an even more unforgettable costume.
1: Yeah, and like you said, all, all three yeah. of you guys are really uh, part of the movie. Um, it's not like, oh, that's, you know, there's uh, Bill and he's just kind of stuck in just be- so Bill Mosley's in the movie or Kane Hodder. You're like part of the movie and you guys all have fun roles and it totally works in the movie.
2: Yeah, and we, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, we we all like the story and we, uh, we love working for Drew and, um, you know, even though, I don't know if we'll be around for a sequel. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> don't don't want to give too much of a spoiler, but um, yeah, you know, ready for uh, maybe uh, Garage of the Dead.
1: There we go. Very good. Well, I appreciate yeah. you coming on. It's always fun to talk with you.
2: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. All
4: right. I'll, I'll talk to you talk soon. To you
1: later. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.
4: From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the Tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we
3: should have listened. Sit here on a lie. By gonna die. The Tomb of Nick Cage.
4: Mostly,
3: they're coming night. Mostly, they're coming night. Mostly, they're coming
4: night. Mostly. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming night.
5: Hey you, you're listening to youwithoutyourhead.com and this is Michael Berryman. Don't touch
1: that dial. Welcome to the Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal and I'm joined by the returning horror icon Jason Voorhees, Victor Crowley and currently Mr. Parsons of Shed of the Dead which comes out tomorrow the 17th, Kane Hodder. It's very cool to have you back.
0: Hey, it's good to be back. I lo- I always love the name of this, this show.
1: Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I've been choked by by you and uh hit by you and so it's it's, it's it's always good to have you back. But this time you can't choke or hit me because it's over the phone.
0: Well, you know, I'm very talented with uh, violence. <laughs> so just watch your back anyway.
1: All right. I will do. I will do. So, so I, I really enjoyed Shed of the Dead. It's a very fun movie. And uh, and um, all three of you guys were great in it. You and Michael Berryman and, and Bill Moseley. And the movie itself was a lot of fun. So uh, how did you get involved in Shed of the Dead?
0: Well, I mean, you know, they contacted me, and of course, the the regular old process mm-hmm. <laughs> sent me a script, and uh, I thought it was a very clever script, and in particular, my character was, you know, a, a bit of a departure from what I usually do, which is always nice. Any any actor will tell you they like doing something different um, because you're never against doing what you're known for, but it's just nice for a change, and then I've always enjoyed doing comedic type type stuff. And uh, it was just a fun movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really it was fun right away. As soon as I see you pop up, and your uh, your wardrobe right away tells me, you know, this is uh out of character for Kane.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a sweater vest and uh, that kind of hat. Yeah, a little uh, different.
1: <laughs> did you keep the wardrobe? Uh, did you end up liking? Like, hey, maybe I'll. I incorporate this American life.
0: I I did keep the hat actually. Oh,
1: nice! Yeah.
0: And, and it's funny because uh, for I I don't know why, but I have a a, a huge head, and uh, not ego my skull
1: actually. <laughs> right, and literally. Yeah. So
0: the 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 hat we had to cut in the back <laughs> to make it fit on me. So it was pretty much unusable <laughs> after that. So I just kept it for. You know, it's always fun to keep some uh, trademark type things from your wardrobe and stuff. So I've always done that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you have like a? So do you have a collection of stuff from different movies?
0: I do. I yeah. keep something from just about every movie. If if I play a character that's that's you know somewhat prominent, I like to keep a, a souvenir of some type.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you do you have any particular items that are like uh, special to you? Or the all special? I guess.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I guess you're alluding to. Did I keep hockey masks? And yes, I did. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs>
1: well, of course uh, you would have to. So uh, this I movie was filmed. If I'm
0: going to bust bust my ass for months wearing that that costume. I should be the one to keep the <laughs> the best part of it. You know.
1: I agree 100. So uh, so this was filmed in England. Yes. Yeah, and uh, have you ever?
0: It it, you know what's what's interesting is that you notice that my character is Canadian, right? Because I I couldn't pull off a convincing English accent. (laughs) Okay. So they thought, well, you know, Americans don't know anything about allotments, which we really don't. I had never heard about it, what an allotment is, until I read the script. So it wouldn't be reasonable to think an American might have one over there. So they made me Canadian. I could still speak with my accent or lack thereof and, uh, you know, still not being American.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it totally worked. So, so did you give it a go though? Did you try the, the English accent?
0: Uh, not really.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, if you can't do it, you know, really well, yeah. I think, it's almost like it would alienate English fans, but oh my God, that is terrible. You know, just like <laughs> right. any other accent that somebody tries and doesn't do it well, it makes that demographic a little bit disappointed, I think. So I just didn't even, I knew I couldn't do it, so sure. I just went the other way.
1: Yeah. So had, did you know the writer, director, Drew Cullingham before the movie at all?
0: Uh, not personally, no.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was he like when you first meet him and to work with?
0: Uh, it, you know, I, I doubt if anybody's ever going to come on and say this guy was an asshole. <laughs> was, you know, uh-huh. not very nice and stuff like that. But it, truthfully, everybody was great. It was uh, a complete pleasure in all ways doing the film, and <laughs> you know, not often does it. Happen that way, but it certainly was the case this time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess if if it's somebody who has no uh, intention of ever working again, they will just come on and say everyone was an asshole. But
0: well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I I have worked with some in the past, and <laughs> that have, have gone on to huge careers. So I guess it doesn't really have any bearing on success. But I just don't <laughs> see why someone finds it necessary to be like that you know yeah, why why, yeah. why be like that when all of us are trying to do a film together why do you have to be an asshole just cuz you're the director for say or or something like that i, I just don't understand how that can be productive
1: mhm so there was a there was a lot lot of great lines throughout the whole movie but uh you had an insult which i never heard before you called someone a little cockhead
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes yeah uh you know, everybody involved, Drew, everybody, was all for me kind of uh, tailoring my dialogue to what sounds like me. And uh, <laughs> that's a term I've always used for some reason.
3: Oh, really? Uh, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: and so, I, you know, as I said, they didn't mind me changing a few words around to make it more my actual personality so stuff like that is just makes it more fun i'm always really happy when a writer or director or someone who's done both uh is not offended by me changing their words Mm -hmm. you know because without fail it's going to sound more like you if it's something you would normally say anyway Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm not sure where I got that term from. I may have coined it. I don't know, but it is unusual.
3: Yeah, I forgot about
0: that, you little
1: cockhead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll credit you if I ever use little cockhead again. I'll say that was a a Kane Hodder Yeah, and
0: you will use it because it's unusual, so you'll want to. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. So I don't want to, like, spoil too much of the movie, but... uh, so a lot of the movie you play like rolling around on your back, like uh, oh, uh, what was that like to film? Because it's a that's unusual, I think, for Kane
0: Hodder, or maybe uh, for very unusual. <laughs> I'm usually the one that's upright, and uh-huh. other people are on their back. But yeah, it's um, yeah, like you like you're saying, I don't want to give away why I'm on the ground a lot, <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, it was a uh, very very strange to to just. Uh, do so many scenes while laying down basically. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, just one of the many reasons I had a great time doing this film when, when it's something so different, it just, it's a nice change. I'll, I'll always like being the maniacal killer because I think that's what I do best. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I said before, any actor likes something new and, just for, to make it fresh, you know, and, and challenging. And how do I make this either funny or almost sad sometimes while I'm on the ground, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty unusual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fun for a, uh, for fan of, of, uh, of you guys to see you uh, do something different. And, and it seems like everyone was having fun too, which was a lot, uh, which came through in the movie when you're watching it.
0: Yeah. And that was absolutely the case. I mean, first of all, when I'm working with my good friends, whether we're in the same scenes or not, you know, when we do a film together with Michael Berryman and Bill Mosley, and, you know, anytime you're working on the same project, it's, it's always nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, this was no, no different.
1: Yeah. So were you there when, um, when Michael Berryman comes out in his, uh, in his costume?
0: <laughs> no, I was not. But wow, I—if I had been, I would have asked him to not tell me what it was or let me see what it was until <laughs> he was revealed on camera, because that would have just been a fun, a fun, uh, moment, you know. I, uh, yeah. And I—I I would wager that he's probably never worn anything like that in the movie. <laughs>
1: in a movie, maybe, maybe his personal life, but not in a movie. I say,
0: yeah, exactly, no (laughs) movie. And and Mosley was amazing as a bounty hunter or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Bill and I have done so many films together now. It's uh, it's a lot of fun because I think he's a tremendous actor, and I, you know, I've done many scenes with him and. He ad-libs a lot, even between, you know, from one take to the next, he'll change what he's saying. And if you're you're not prepared for that, then sometimes it can catch you off guard. But I love it because then you respond, you know, spontaneously as well. Mm -hmm. And there's no way the scene could ever come off as rehearsed because we've never done it before. Right. and I, I just I enjoy work working like that.
1: Yeah. So when you work with someone uh, like Bill, like uh, frequently on uh, multiple stuff, um, does that uh, help like the chemistry when you guys are working together?
0: Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I think anybody, any actor, will tell you that it's nice when you have a personal relationship with someone uh, because you know each other's strengths and stuff like that. So you'll you'll draw from that kind of stuff and i'm checking right now on imdb and it says that bill and i have done 19 films together oh wow yeah i was looking earlier those are in in the works but Mm -hmm. yeah wow yeah i was looking earlier
1: i noticed a lot of the stuff coming out was uh both you guys in together which i thought was pretty cool right yeah, and so uh, do you ever get bummed if you read a script and you don't have a high kill count in the in in the movie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I used to, but not anymore. <laughs> it's almost it's almost like refreshing right. when I don't kill anybody, actually, <laughs> just uh-huh. because again, going back to that thing where you like doing something different. I mean, you know. I've done so many films where I have multiple, multiple murders. And, you know, I I maintain, and I don't think anyone can dispute this, Mm -hmm. that I have murdered more people on film than any actor in history. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty cool. I mean, and and I specify murder because, you know, I don't want to say that gunning down 50 bad guys with an automatic weapon is the Mm -hmm. same thing. Mine yeah. are all one at a time, hands-on murders. And mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine anyone else that has done that more than me because four Friday movies, four Hatchet movies, I uh, played BTK, Ed Gein, you know, that's a lot of multiple murders in each film. So
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh-huh. if anybody disputes my, my claim as being just that, then, you know, I'll kill them.
1: <laughs> so, well, what's a, what's a different like mindset when you're playing, uh, you know, a fictional killer like Jason or Victor, as opposed to uh, someone who actually existed?
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, with with Jason Victor, it's all how I perceive the character should be, just mm-hmm. my ideas of how he should move, how she he should interact with other people you know it's it's just basically my decision and when I play someone that existed I like to try to incorporate some of their actual personality traits into Mm -hmm. the role because you know I'm not it's not fictional so why not try to make it like more like they really were you know Mm -hmm. you can put your own spin on it but I'd like to use some of the things that the person actually did, because every time I play someone that did exist, I've already read their story in the past. Mm -hmm. Not, not because I'm playing the character. I already knew the story. Like with BTK, I had read that whole story years before I ever got that role. Mm -hmm. So, um, I already knew so much about the guy that, you know, I wanted to kind of, uh, do that personality uh, justice, even though it's a horrible person. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to make it really seem like it was that that guy.
1: Mm-hmm. There's um a few years ago at uh in Rhode Island, uh you did a Q and A, and you said someone always stuck with me, and it was it was mm-hmm. about you know not getting Jason in um, Jason versus Freddy, or Freddy versus Jason, whichever it is. And uh, you said yeah. that um. You know, it was, you know, you know, to get the role But you said that uh, you know they gave it to someone who didn't love the character, and like uh, it was like a, it was like a real moment. I thought. So, w- what was it besides the money and the fame of playing Jason? W- why is that character so important to you?
0: Uh, boy. Well, I mean, it's so important to my career because it put me on the map. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. I was a stunt stuntman for you know a number of years before that happened. But, you know, some people are pretty much anonymous, and that's fine. I wasn't looking to become famous. I just wanted to do what I love doing. Mm-hmm. And then you play a character like this that everyone in the world at least has heard of. Because you, you can ask people if they know the character of Jason from Friday the 13th, and almost everyone will say yes, even though they've maybe never seen a movie. So that's how widely known the character was. So playing that character, all of a sudden, everything changed and 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 put me in the public eye much more. So as I approach every character, I wanted to do whatever I could to do the character justice. And uh, Jason, since there had been six movies before I ever came around, I had to try to do my best possible version that i could come up with just to do honor to the character because you know it's people know that character and if you do a poor performance you're not just making yourself look bad you're making the character look bad and i, I would never want to do that so right. uh i just from the i i know i, I probably said this when I was there last time, but when I put that mask on, I felt like I was the character and I know people are rolling their eyes and saying, Oh, that is so lame. So stereotypical for an actor to say, but it's absolutely true. I felt like I was the character and I wanted every single shot I ever did with that makeup and mask on to, uh, be good, regardless of how insignificant it may have seemed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to, to uh many fans, you are uh, you're considered, you know, the best wow well, So I think I mean, you know this for there. Yeah, well, I'm just yeah, you know, know. putting it out there. Hard to respond
3: to that. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I
1: understand. I understand. Yeah, uh, I will let people know that your um, The Helen Back uh, is on Amazon Prime, and it's it's amazing the documentary. And, uh, oh, I the book. now a few years ago, I got sick and I won't go all into it, but I, had, I have a lot of scars and, uh, I had a colostomy bag for a while. It was you know, a bad time. And I was really open about it and, uh, got a lot of support from, uh, people listening to the show and even other people who, who have other problems. They said it meant, a, it meant a lot to them that I was open about it. So, um, my stuff's not nearly as bad as yours and I'm not as well known as, as you, but, uh, how much did that mean to you? when you were really open about um, your, your burns and in uh, your recovery, like uh, how, 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 what did that mean to you as a person when, uh, when you really came out about it?
0: Well, I mean, it, it was therapeutic to just talk about it first mm-hmm. of all, uh, and almost just helped me get rid of some, uh, you know, demons or whatever you want to call it that, I had been carrying around. So it it just helped me to tell the entire story, not just a sanitized version of the story where, eh, you know, at times I would think, right, boy, do I really want to talk about this part?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: It's just going to be really hard to listen to or watch. And then I thought, well, it's part of the story. So I'm telling my story. I'll tell everything. And then to see the response to that, made me so happy that I told everything because countless people have told me what you heard, that it really meant a lot to them to, you know, read about somebody whose work they maybe admire.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then on the same on the same end saying, wow, this guy has been through some shit like I have. And he seems okay about it. Maybe there is something that will come out of all this suffering. So uh, unbelievable amount of response about that where evidently I have helped people through their own stuff just by telling my story. And if that's the case, then how how do you not feel so amazingly good about something like that?
1: Mm -hmm. Was there ever your uh, concern before you you know when uh, you started talking about it that since you are known you know as Jason Voorhees and these like badass characters that it would show like vulnerability to you is like that you'll humanize you and that could actually hurt your career in a way which it didn't but was there ever a
0: concern? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I was once in a while thinking, wow, I hope this doesn't backfire and you know people say wow i'd rather have not known that because i think of you as something you know superhuman because of the character or whatever but Mm -hmm. uh and maybe there has been people that felt that but nobody has voiced that to me so the overwhelming positives would totally outweigh that anyway
1: yeah so uh since uh shed of the shed of the dead is a zombie film do you consider uh, Jason Voorhees a zombie?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, by the time I started playing the character, maybe earlier
3: mm-hmm.
0: incarnations, maybe not. Maybe he was more human. But, you know, the fact that I was basically a rotted corpse in Part 7, it's hard
3: to
0: not think of... Jason as somewhat of a zombie in that film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I don't know if you, if you ever read any of these things, but there's rumors people, well, I guess, fan theories that, uh, that Jason would actually be a deadite, like from, uh, the, the army of darkness, uh, evil dead movies.
0: Yeah. I have heard stuff like that and, you know, it's an interesting concept, but, uh, you know, I'm not so sure I would, uh, think that, but it's not, ridiculous
1: yeah yeah it's cool people think that kind of stuff so a uh, shed of the dead opens of 17th and uh, it's playing in a lot of theaters so uh check the website and find out if it's playing near you because it's cool to, to get on video on demand or dvd but if you see it on the in the big screen that's always the best way to see a movie
0: i think so and then i think you'll enjoy it and i appreciate you having me on again and uh hopefully i'll talk to you soon
1: yeah definitely I'll, I'll see, either see you at a convention or I'll, 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 I'll bug you to come back on the show at some point. <laughs>
0: Sounds good.
1: <laughs> Alright. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, bye. Yeah. Bye. Take me past those scented gates
4: These spirits will seal my fate Blood off the lake With the words we pray When we're dead they very strong between us and the living, but they are less than forgiving. Everything I've ever known is here within these walls. My life in the afterlife is not a life at all, but it's safer than breathing out in the unknown. The graveyard. God is my own can you see me through this nightmare all that's loved is lost so say I should leave here, perhaps to arrive. But I've accepted the fear of this flight. along with the ghosts I'm making the most out of company let's decompose. Everything I've ever known is here within these walls. My life in the afterlife is not life at all. But it's safer than can entertain this romance. Just for one night, there's a chance for you to see. I am just nobody. I am just nobody. I am just nobody. Everything I've ever known is here within these walls. My life in the afterlife is not a life at all than
1: breathing down in Hey, this is Bill Mosley, Otis
2: Driftwood, and Chap Tap Sawyer. And you're listening to Without Your Head.
1: Welcome to the station of decapitation, Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal. And we're joined by the returning horror icon of The Hills Have Eyes, The Devil's Rejects, One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Not a horror movie, but it's a great movie. And Derek of Shed of the Dead, which comes out tomorrow the 17th. Michael Berryman. It's very cool to have you back.
5: Oh, thank you. It's good to be back.
1: Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed uh, Shed of the Dead. It's a really fun movie and it's uh, original, and um, so how did you get involved in *Shit of the Dead?
5: Um, well, uh, I'll be more involved tomorrow when I get a chance to see it. I fly down mm-hmm. to Los Angeles and go to, to a uh, premiere screening. Um, I got involved with it a, uh, through my uh, manager, Judy Fox, and I got a, had a phone call, and we uh, put together a, a contract, and I I uh, got on a plane, and I flew it, uh, to the location, and they said, here's what you're wearing, here's the scene, and uh, let's shoot it. So pretty much uh, just uh, show up and work. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, there
5: wasn't uh-huh. a lot of uh, pre-planning you know, on my part. It was just like, uh, all right, I can pay some bills. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you haven't seen the I'm finished working, movie yet. I- I got
5: you. No, I've I've seen a little of this, a little that. I worked, I was in and out in one day. So, uh, all I've seen is what's been on, online.
1: All right, cool. Well, I hope you, I uh, hope you, d- you dig it. Uh, I was going to ask you about the, cause the opening scene's very cool. The animated, uh, sequence for the, for the, uh, the title sequence and stuff. So, uh, I think you're in, uh, you're in for good for a movie. Good movie.
5: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the premise is, uh, um, a nerdy,
1: and uh, it's uh, honest to the situation. So you, you have fun with it. Yeah. So I had, uh, earlier talked to Kane Harder and uh, and Bill Mosley, and uh, they both brought up um, your scene where you're a horse and and, and your costume you're wearing. Kane was uh, was sorry he wasn't there for that. Uh, so what was it like when you put on that uh, the attire?
5: Um, it was. Uh, debate scene and i wish i hadn't
1: done it <laughs> oh really you you wish you didn't do the scene
5: well i thought it was uh i must look people know me i've been doing this for 40 years i'm a straight talking guy mm-hmm. and bottom line is um um i thought it uh, we didn't really have much time to uh discuss the scene come up with options and uh they're on a tight schedule. So, you know, it was like, uh, uh, we got to get this scene done. And, uh, I told, you know, I just told the director, I says, we can do this. We won't do that. And let's proceed, you know? So,
1: yeah. So you think, think you, a... you think Go if you, you think if you would add more, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If you thought you, if, if you had more time, you would have, uh, liked to change the scene. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Yeah. Uh, uh, how, how about um, even before you get to that, you're also wearing, you know, the, uh, you get seen a wig in a, in a different tire than normal. Uh, that was fun to see. Uh, was, uh, what did you think of that part of the movie?
5: Well, you know, the guy's kind of, you know, probably an executive with uh, some quirks. Uh, you know, I, I've worn wigs before, most notably, and um, uh, Motley Crue's "Smoking in the Boys Room video. Mm-hmm. which was just delightfully humorous and, uh, charming. And, uh, uh, it, you know, it's fun to play, uh, against types, so to speak. And, uh, um, yeah, I, uh, uh I, that was the wardrobe. So that's what you go with.
1: Yeah. Uh, w well, uh, so when I mentioned you're coming back on, actually, uh, Terry Gunther brought up the Motley crew video. He said, uh, how cool was it to be in those Motley crew videos?
5: Well, um, I actually wrote a whole chapter on it in my autobiography. It's about two thirds oh, of the way done. And uh, it kind of went like this I got a phone call from my agent. It was an older agent. He had been in Hollywood for a long time, very respected. His name was Lou Deucer. He had like the, you know, uh, charming Earl Flint kind of mustache, whitish grayish hair. And I'm like, okay, kid, uh, you got a gig. Now, he said "Jig," which was you know I means a job, which sounded pretty funny coming from him. But he was a pretty savvy guy; He was uh, a good negotiator. Um, and I said, "Okay, uh, uh, where am I going? Who am I working for? And what's the contract?" And he said, "Tell me the contract." And he says, uh, uh, "It's uh, you're going to go to this auditorium. And there's some kids there, and here's the premise, you know, and you're this principal." And uh, I think you'll have a lot of fun. And I said, Well, um what 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 music video is it for? And he said, Oh, it's for a band called uh Motley Crue." And I said, What? <laughs> I, I said, Maybe it's Motley Crue. That's that sounds about right. You go have a good time. <laughs> and off I went. So I called a friend of mine who was who's a very uh he's been around for a long time. He is a film historian and he has wonderful archives. And I said, Hey Johnny, um <laughs> We're gonna go on a Saturday uh, morning, and we're gonna go out to uh, the valley and go to this auditorium, and we're gonna film a music video with Motley Crue. And um, I think I need a dozen major driver because I'm a responsible adult. And he said, "You got it." So he was my driver, and you know, we arrived, and there was, um, you know, it's a big auditorium, and uh, there's a stage and curtains and. Uh, there's, uh, all the, the kids, you know, playing the students, they were all getting prepared and hair, makeup and wardrobe. And, and then they brought me back up stage behind the curtain, uh, into, which is like the green room hanging out area. And there was the band. I met the band and they were super nice, very cordial, just delightful, um, very professional. Um, we had, uh, I think we had two Calvinized, uh, uh, like you I could feed a horse, uh, a bucket, you know, a big galvanized circular tub. There was uh, two or three of those. They're filled with ice and probably a couple cases of Corona beer and, and probably uh, four or five uh, uh, quart bottles of Jack Daniels. And uh, so I said, well, uh, I, I'm a responsible adult. I have a designated driver and I'm going to sit here and relax with the guys. And uh, they were... Uh, You know, Mick was a big fan of the Hills Have Eyes, and, uh, you know, uh, Vince, of course, uh, uh, lived on the beach, and he, you know, he loved surfing. He grew up in Santa Monica, Dogtown, that's what we used to call it, right next to the Venice Beach. And so I I used to uh, surf and scuba dive for years, and we just started talking about life in Southern California, and and, we were talking about how. How wonderful it is to be able to have a career in, in the arts, especially in rock and roll and to make it to the level they were at. And they were, you know, they were humble about that. I mean, they worked, they, they worked their ass off. They, you know, they're very talented and they're just likable guys. They told me the, I think Nicky told me that, uh, you know, anytime they have an argument, uh, Mick is the one that kicks everybody's ass and keeps, keeps them in line. And, um. They were just a lot of fun and we became friends I, I did a second video with them and in between that time um, I would occasionally call a Mick to ask him uh, how he uh, was doing with he had an issue with his wrist or his hand I think he needed either some physical therapy or some surgery he was concerned about you know playing guitar uh, down the line and uh, he healed up real well and uh, no pretense just you know, rock and roll, that's, you know, that's the zip code. So you're going to have fun and be a little crazy once in a while. But um, I, I, I'm not a, t- a tell-all kind of guy. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've been to a, a lot of situations where people go, oh, that'd be a great story. you got to tell that. And I go, mm-hmm. no, some things are some things are personal, some things are private.
1: Mm-hmm. And
5: uh, for me, it's about the work, it's about the art, it's about making friends, and it's about, uh, you know, entertainment. So that's uh, I, is if you don't set guidelines, other people will set them
1: for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, when is the book coming out? I said you're three quarters of the way done. When do you foresee it coming out? Um, I'm thinking around
5: Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll have it all done. I, I've got it registered with the Writers Guild of America, and I just got my paperwork from the Library of Congress, so it's protected, and um, and I'll I'll submit my final papers. You know, because. Uh, uh, I think I set, uh, set, sent in uh, 80 pages and um, further down the line and publishing is a weird situation. I mean, um, you have to have so many words, you know, 400,000 words or 300, so many pages, you know, uh, I'm the kind of, I'm kind of old school. I'm 70 years old. I, I, I kind of believe like David Scowell who uh, wrote the screenplay for the crow. He had a nice piece on his uh, website today. Um, uh, just talking about, uh, you know, the quality of the work, you know, I mm-hmm. think that matters more than, you know, being a bean counter, you mm-hmm. know. Definitely. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, what's the experience been like to, like, uh, you know, go back and think of all these stories and, uh, you know, everything you've done in your career?
5: Well, it's, um, the book actually starts from my birth and, and all the way up and to the... Mm-hmm. Uh, The time I got discovered by George Powell is really on my way to homestead in Alaska and work with nature conservation and habitat preservation for, uh, you know, the the animals before they become, you know, killed and have their heads put on a wall or Mm -hmm. run into extinction, that kind of stuff. uh, Those kinds of things are are really important to me. Mm -hmm. Having a a future for our children and our grandchildren I mm-hmm. think is our responsibility. Um, so, um, I, I don't, uh, um, I don't like, to, well, the book is about me. Yes, but it's also about, um, uh, humanity and, and we're all in this together. So that's the theme. So mm-hmm. I think around Thanksgiving, uh, I should have it at the publisher. And by that point we should have a contract and know who's actually going to print it. But, um, mm-hmm. It's time. Everybody gets a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, looking forward to it.
5: Alice Cooper's book, uh, Golf Monster, is a very good autobiography. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. He, All right. Um, he's a really nice guy. He told me that uh, he needed a, a healthier addiction because alcohol wasn't working for him too well. And he got turned on to golf and <laughs> he an So if you have an addictive personality, uh
3: uh-huh.
5: a okay, healthy addiction, you know. It's okay uh, well, if people won't kill you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, well uh, myself, I've lost almost well, 98 pounds, so almost 100 pounds. So uh, right. I've. Yeah, I've been, uh, thank you very much. Since November. So my uh, doctors were very uh, surprised I've done so well so quick. But uh, I found I really enjoy walking. And I like to cook, but I cook, you know, uh, nice, uh, healthy stuff now. So.
5: I do too. I do too. Because uh, you know, people say diet, restrict calories. Uh, I I studied nutrition back in college, and uh, always did weight training and stayed in good shape. And um, if you if you cut it, you know, if you can taste food, that's Mm -hmm. a plus, you Mm -hmm. know. And if you can enjoy the texture, and you know, and like there's certain things I won't eat, of course, like veal, you know,
3: Mm -hmm.
5: foie gras. I mean, I'm sorry you know, I'm, I'm a big, big supporter of, uh, uh, non-factory farms. Uh, um, smaller is better. I shop local up mm-hmm. here in California, not in California, but, uh, just as an example of reading healthy, uh, uh, like, you know, I mean, um, I usually keep about three large bowls of, uh, of a dish so you can mix and match. And like I have, um, uh, uh, I got uh, bean salad with, uh, uh, artichoke hearts and 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 uh, uh, sun dried tomatoes and you know, green olives and feta cheese and then I have another dish I made some caramelized uh, uh, um, uh, sweet onion with lots of garlic and added uh, quartered Brussels sprouts and then deglazed it with some balsamic vinegar and that's in another bowl and then I made uh, a chili, you know. So. Mm-hmm. I could eat and get full, and it's delicious, and it's healthy. You
3: know? Yeah, um, yeah.
5: Most of the stuff at the store, I walk by and I go, oh, you know, that cost more than a steak. <laughs> and, it's, right. and it's and it's bad for, and it's bad for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah, and that's what I. on uh, that. I mean, um, you reduce your body weight by an entire person.
1: Yeah, so then I feel uh, I feel the best I've ever had, probably maybe since I was like a teenager or something. But uh, you know, I'm, I just turned forty three. But uh, yeah, I feel uh, I feel fantastic. And it also not cool. only helps you physically, but uh, it helps you mentally when you get sure into uh, become healthy. Yeah. So, um, since you did, you, would you say you had a pleasant experience making the movie, or was it not a good experience for you?
5: Oh, everybody was delightful. We we had a good time. The gal that uh, played the dominatrix, you know, she's uh, a well-known actor, uh, actress, and uh, everybody was, it was fine. Uh, the role was just something I would never repeat, but um,
3: mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah.
5: yeah. Uh, like yeah. I said, I made a few adjustments to make it less uh, um, uh, self deme- less demeaning, you
3: know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said,
5: no, we're not doing that. We can do this and I'll give you that. And that's, that's how it goes. So, yeah. Um, so I hope the movie does well. Uh, I mean, I hope, as you know, up, up and coming director with a wonderful family history and lineage, uh, um, you no, know, I, I hope it does great box office. So yeah. we to go down tomorrow and, uh, and, um, and, and be there for the premiere, do some, um, you know, shaking hands and do some photo ops and, uh, Hope it takes off because
1: you know. I mean, out of hundred scripts, maybe one gets made. You know, so right. Kudos. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. yeah. I, I had fun watching. Um, do you mind if I ask a few questions? Because uh, people sent some in. Uh, when I want to mention you were coming on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Adrian wants to know. Uh, you were once a guest on Morton Downey Jr. How crazy was the show, and how was Mister Downey Jr. to you?
5: It was. It was a very well produced um, episode of his show. Uh, Mr. Downey uh, actually went uh, into everybody into the green room and one-on-one with, with, with each guest and um, kind of laid out the structure of the show. And there was the there was that one lady on the panel that uh, thought that anyone who did a horror movie should be incarcerated and put in prison <laughs> because uh, she, uh, she she was very she had had some personal losses in her life. And so this uh, type of portrayal of of violence, uh, irregardless of, uh, um, you know, it's setting up for the hero to conquer the, the, the perpetrator, so to speak, she felt that if someone went to a horror movie and then did a copycat crime, that everyone involved in the film should go to prison. And I said, well... That, that, that tells me that uh, you've suffered a, a severe loss and, and pain and let's talk about that. But during the show, uh, Moore wanted he wanted the uh, attack encounter and encounter conversation. He wanted that ping pong game going back and forth between concepts um, to be entertaining. Uh, he wanted a little bit of a shouting. Uh, back and forth, but I thought it was a uh, uh, it was very well produced. He was super professional, and um, at the end of the show, she uh, kind of went up to us and said, "I, I see things a little differently." Um, so uh, overall, uh, uh, it was very uh, it was very enjoyable, and he was a, a lovely, professional gentleman to work with. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh Wesley, uh he just wants to let you know that he's a big fan of yours uh, for years and watching the trailer of Hills of Eyes at the drive in with his folks, scared the hell out of him as a little kid. And he wants to know uh who are your favorite directors or actors in either film or television to work with.
5: Uh well, first of all, uh thank you for your shout out, brother. Um I think that's so cool you went with your folks and and Especially a drive-in. I mean, I love the drive-in. I actually went to a drive-in with Peter Locke, Wes Craven, and Barry Kahn, my producer, writer, and director. And they had me dressed as Pluto, and during the trailer attack, they said, why don't you go out and bang on some car windows, scare people, (laughs) chuckle, 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 ha, 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 won't Uh this be funny. It was funny until a, a, a really big guy got out of the station, went out of his car with a, with a baseball bat and started coming at me, screaming at the top of his lungs, you, you just scared my girlfriend, I'm going to smash your head in with this baseball bat. And all I had was the Pluto knife, but it was the prop knife, and I had a rubber knife, and I go, uh, I was not expecting this. So I was running through the parking lot trying to find the van that we were in and I was just a little disoriented and didn't, couldn't quite find it. But thank God um, Peter Locke was behind the wheel. He turned on the headlights, pulled forward, the side door opened. Wes Craven was holding on with one hand and extended his other hand to me and, and yelled, get in. And I did so as we hauled us out of there, went to a diner, had coffee and Piece of pie, and didn't speak much until we all agreed that we had a hit on our hands. So, um, <laughs> that being said, my favorite—oh uh, uh, man, okay—my favorite projects to work on were *The Crow* with Brandon Lee, *Highway to Heaven* with Michael Landon um one flow of the cuckoo's ass working with milos and jack and making a lot of new friends and learning the craft of camera and and how production comes together that was 123 127 days for me um working on um even silly movies well uh, the x-files a wonderful episode um i had been in a relationship for about six years there was a mother and kids and There was uh, somebody else involved in the family that caused some terrible grief. I'll leave that to your imagination. And uh, it was uh, sort of a sad separation. But the role of uh, Owen Jarvis as a guardian angel, uh, sacrificing himself to save the life of a a child, uh, resonated with me because it gave me an opportunity to heal. Uh, Sometimes in life, uh, certain things happen, and... There's no um, no closure. And uh, I was very grateful that uh, uh, out of 100 people that uh, casting will see, they pick one. And when I walked in, I saw Chris Carter and um, um, I'm thinking, David Nutter, my director, mm-hmm. and I told them that um, there's a lot of talented people waiting to be seen but I'll give it the justice that the role deserves and I want to show you why right now. And I nailed it. And then they said, well, when you, when you exit, please don't let anybody know you got the part, because we want to see what they can bring to the table for maybe a subsequent role. So I did. So that, that was, that was quite wonderful. Um, um, some of my favorite directors, uh, uh, well, I I got to work with Claude Lelouch in a James Caan film. Um, and I'm also a big fan of the Universal, um, you know, forums, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, they, they kind of set the stage for, uh, uh, um, wonderful entertainment and a nice shout out to, uh, uh, very dear friend Red Skelton. I used to go to the house and uh, I was in school with his son, a beautiful, beautiful oh, wow. gentleman. Yeah. Red Skelton. Yeah. That's very cool. Nice. Oh, and I got to meet uh, Rod Serling one night.
1: Oh really? That's pretty awesome.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Have you watched Have you been Have you watched the new Twilight Zone?
5: I've watched a few of them. Um, mm-hmm. Good production value. Uh, writing's good. Acting's good. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's there's so much to watch right now. It's, it's yeah. It's hard to see everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty darn cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, John Dugan of uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre wants to know uh, what was it like being on location for Cuckoo's Nest.
5: Uh love well, you, John. John, we keep in touch online and uh, we yeah. see each other in shows. I'm glad he's doing much better. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, Cuckoo's Nest was my second job. I'd worked one day. I was Taft Hartley, which gave me a two-day guarantee of work, so I got into the union. George Powell discovered me when I was in Venice Beach. Um, we did Doc Savage together, and he was my producer. And then his casting director was casting for Cuckoo's Nest just as I was getting ready to homestead in Alaska and leave Southern California. I got a phone call and I went to a meeting with Michael Douglas, Saul Zantz, Milos Borman, Jack Nicholson, and uh, uh, Louise Fletcher. And um, went to Oregon. We had two weeks of rehearsal with uh, our major scenes with camera. Started to learn things a lot. My uh, makeup artist for the Lobotomy scars Six Days. Six mornings every week was um, Fred Phillips, who was the uh, you know created Spock's ears.
3: Mm. Uh,
5: his his father started the makeup artist union. He was my mentor every morning. I'd spend an hour and share, and he would talk about what it was, what the industry is about. You know, a lot of his stories. Mm. Um, the best advice I ever got for uh, as a working actor was from Milos Forman When uh, one day I asked him. Um, what does the camera do? What do I need to know as an actor to help you? And he, he had me look through the, uh, you know, the uh, the eyepiece, and I could see that, um, oh, wow, And I racked focus and tried a few things, and he handed me a book on cinematography, and he said, stand in front of the camera. I go, okay. And he said, I want you to have a love affair with the glass. So, For all the uh, wannabe actors out there, anybody involved with photography, get to know what what an f-stop is. Get to know what different lenses can do. Understand how to hit your marks. Um, Practice staring in the mirror, looking at your face. Empty all emotion, add thoughts and emotions, and, and without moving a muscle, you can see a difference. Those are the nuances. Just It's just a scratch of the surface of, of what the art of acting can be. And then next time you watch uh, a movie or a uh, Big Bang or any, a- anything that you watch and, and enjoy, know that every time the camera changes from a different position, that could be an hour separation between what it looks like continuously as uh, five seconds later, now mm-hmm. the camera's on somebody else. No, that could be an hour, wow. even a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, in separation so oh wow how how do they manage to uh, um, you know keep that focus and, and that's another part of being a professional actor uh, I've been on sets where people showed up and I'm talking about actors that had uh, won Oscars
3: mm-hmm.
5: didn't know their lines like I'll give you a perfect example in uh, The Lords of Salem
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, we filmed all the, all the scenes of the witches being you know crucified, set on fire, blah blah blah. Well, you know, they weren't wearing much clothing. It was at night, it was cold. They were freezing. I mean all of the most of the footage that they shot was never used simply because uh, when the pilgrims showed up with their restaurants, and Sid Haig and I uh, are, are the butchers, and we're supposed to uh, help them arrest them. Um, we arrive where there's the uh, little bonfires, campfires, where we come up to the to the uh, to the witches. Mm-hmm. And the guy in the pilgrim hat, one of the actors, holds up the arrest warrant. And here's what we hear at about eleven o'clock at night. Uh, Rob, Rob Zombie, can you make the torches brighter? I can't read the arrest warrant. Cut. <laughs> Go to our trailer. We sit for an hour and a half. Rob comes in and goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that they couldn't see that well." Um, and it was three pages of dialogue in the script, which explains why in a previous scene, which we never filmed, when they come to. The Magnus Brothers' house, because we're butchers and we can chop up witches, Mm -hmm. we're butchers, we chop up meat.
3: Mm -hmm. We
5: never shot that scene. So it was never explained fully why they were being arrested. And Rob told me that if he had known that they couldn't see that well, he would have given them glasses that were prescription lenses and in frames that were period pieces to the time period that we were conveying. And I told Rob, no. They're professionals. They know better.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: They were scripted lines. If you don't know your lines, then you are supposed to tell production before you go to work that you're having difficulty memorizing. I know many famous people who can't memorize anything in just cue cards. But
3: they're, mm-hmm.
5: they look great on screen, and I won't mention any names. They're very professional. They do excellent performances. hmm so they they did not convey that to Rob. And I told Rob, I said, no. I said, technically, they, they're in breach of contract. Mm-hmm. You could sue them for uh, a reshoot. And then uh, uh, the production company, uh, uh, I think it was Lionsgate, did not, would not give Rob another day of filming to, to uh, get those three pages of script down. So the movie had more... Uh, continuity. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: No, 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 forget it. Go on, move on. We don't need that. Well, I'm sorry, but your actresses were freezing freezing and shivering for three hours for nothing.
3: Mm -hmm.
5: So, um, you know, I might be barking my horn. Bottom line is uh, we are in a union. We are brothers and sisters. We are artists and performers and we're professionals. I was on a set of a a TV show called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Mm -hmm. which was filmed in Canada when you have children on the set, you are not allowed to do certain things that would uh, um, be irresponsible. Oh, we had a guy named uh, um, was, oh, Milton Burrow who mm-hmm. was a guest on the episode. He was the most foul-mouthed person in front of parents and children in a foreign country on a set. And the director uh, was pulling his hair out because he wouldn't behave himself and I said what's, what's, what's the matter? He says if I'd known he was this way I never would have hired him but he's famous. I go so what? Mm-hmm. I said uh, I said I know some personal stories about Mr. Burrow. I won't mention it uh, to you but um, all I have to do is say two words to him and he will be he'll uh, behave himself. Mm-hmm. Oh God would you please? So I did and I, I, I introduced myself and he goes who the hell are you? I said, oh, I'm working here with you. I'm going to, yeah, so what? Then I conveyed a story to him, and I said two words, and he goes, ah! and he stormed off the set, went into his trailer. Of course, he came back to do the following scenes. At least he was out of earshot and not in front of parents and young children saying words that are completely inappropriate, mm-hmm. you see. So we look yeah. out for one another. If you don't do that, then do a different job.
3: hmm
1: yeah. And, and like you said, for a uh, Lord's sale that you know, it doesn't just mess up their part. It messed up, uh, everyone's time. And, and it resulted, you know, in, in scenes, not even being in the film.
5: Well, I mean, the entity hanging on the wall, Sherry's got a nice ass. Okay. Great. <laughs> but you know,
3: uh-huh.
5: I'm glad she's, I'm glad you're putting your wife in, in a movie, but, and she's charming and sweet, but you know, I I, I still think, um, Lords of Salem. This is the best film he's ever done. Yeah, I, I uh, he's a likable guy. I, I just mm-hmm. uh, don't understand some of it. And he did one with uh, Udo, uh, the little person with the little Nazi Hitler mustache one. I tried yeah, thirty one. Mine.
1: Uh, I wasn't horrible. a fan. Yeah, I wasn't a fan yeah, either.
5: A, I mean, if you're fourteen, if you're fourteen years old, maybe that would get your rocks off. But anyway, you know, I, I'm sorry. I like to have. Um, some dignity when I get done with it. <laughs> Tell a yeah. story, make it,
1: you know, make it, make it work. Yeah. I actually do think Lords of Salem is his most underrated movie. I, I liked it. But yeah, I was not a big fan of 31 either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, well, let's see. I think we went over most of the other questions that people sent in, but I want to thank everyone who uh, sent stuff in. That was nice of them. And uh, I'm looking forward to your book, and it would be cool to have you back uh, after the book comes out or before it comes out, and we can talk about it. We can do
5: that. It's, uh, it's very honest. I don't, I don't just, I don't share every little sort of detail that a lot of people do in, in their autobiographies.
3: Mm-hmm. Some
5: things are personal. It doesn't mean they're they're wacky or weird. It just means it's a, it, it's a life journey from a young boy whose father was a Navy surgeon attached to the third Marine division in the South Pacific during World War two, And my father went on a secret mission to Hiroshima after they dropped the bomb. Mm-hmm. And he sent pictures home of walls where you could see vaporized human beings, civilians, civilians, Mm
3: -hmm. that were
5: no longer skin and bone and flesh, but vaporized, atomized, embedded into concrete walls. Yay. As you can tell, I'm not a big fan of war. If you want a Mm -hmm. war, you take the leaders of, of the countries, you put them in a cage, and let them go at it. I don't know anybody that wants to go to war. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if that's your raw raw, go see a couple of movies like uh, Johnny Get Your Gun. If you think that, if you think that gets your rocks up, then you need to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends who've been in the military and um, civilian service, police, etc., search and rescue. Volunteer diver for a while when I was in college. My point is, we take care. If if everybody went to bed with a full stomach and didn't have to sleep with one eye open, that would be a great start.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
1: agree with you.
5: It, and it can be done. We are handing over a very a, a world to our children and our grandchildren, and may they have may they be merciful when they discuss the choices that we made mm-hmm. for the quote gift that we gave them of no future. We are in perilous times in my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: and we only had two generations in my opinion to get things straight because, uh, I've met the people that want Armageddon. I want to mention names. They're powerful. They're dangerous. They're scary. So we need to not support them. Mm hmm. But like I say, one of my favorite 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 movies of all time is a Joe Dante film with John Goodman, and it's called Matinee.
1: That's a good great movie, yeah.
5: It's a great movie because mm-hmm. it talks about humanity and what's really important.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd
5: say that and Parenthood are two excellent excellent movies, you know. So, uh, and then finish it off with uh, Doc Hollywood. <laughs>
3: yeah, I like this
5: to be, well, we were given it. We were given a gift,
3: mm-hmm.
5: uh, a beautiful, a beautiful, uh, beautiful planet, and it's uh, going to be. It, I mean, the biggest. I see scary movies, so it takes my mind up what's going on in, uh, on a day to day because uh, I lose mm-hmm. sleep over that. Yeah, Our children go to school and they study. Oh, all the great animals—they're all going to be dead in their lifetime. All the tigers will be gone. All the elephants are being annihilated. All the great beasts, whales. The entire planet is in peril and nobody seems to care. So on Mm -hmm. that note, I say, talk truthfully to youth because they are, they get to fix it. I meet Mm -hmm. kids and they go, Oh wow, blah, 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 this and that. And I go, I know your parents think I'm something special and they're getting an autograph and, you know, getting a picture. Mm -hmm. I want your autograph. And they go, why? I said, because your generation's smarter than the one before you, and your generation are going to be the heroes of the world because you're going to fix all the things grown-ups forgot about. And they look at you like, try that next time you see a kid, and
3: mm-hmm.
5: they'll look at you with ancient wisdom, and then you'll you'll know that uh, they're an old soul.
3: Mm-hmm. And
5: it's not fair. It's not fair to put it all on them. You need to support them, and the way you do that is, is by stepping up and doing the
1: right thing mm-hmm very well said well i uh always appreciate you coming on it's always uh interesting to uh to talk to you uh you know whether to talk about your movies or something more important it's uh nothing movies are important but I, I always enjoy it and uh look forward to checking out your book
5: you betcha brother um it's raining here in Northern California, so yay! <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's very sunny here, and, and I'm in Massachusetts. I'm on the other coast. I'm on Cape Cod. Very sunny out. Oh so I think
5: oh, yeah. Yeah, Shout out! Shout out to uh, um, Chowdah Land.
1: <laughs> exactly, yes, and Chowder. Yeah. Hey, is um, <laughs> is it
5: blue crab season yet?
1: I I'm not positive actually. My uncle used to be a big guy who passed away last year, but he was the big fisherman in the family. And uh, when I was a little kid, we'd go. Uh, get lobster and your squitting and uh, all, all oh, sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, I'm sorry, but squitting sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is an odd term. It is, yeah. It is but, an odd term. Yeah.
5: Well, um, uh, big shout out to all my friends on the East Coast. And um, yeah, if you ever get a chance to uh, do blue crab when it's in season, it's a real treat.
1: All right. Yeah, I used to catch crab with my uncle, but I think we just—I'm not sure what kind they were. I think they were just little ones we would use for bait to catch bigger, uh, bigger things. But I don't think we would <laughs> Yeah,
3: like you do. All
5: yeah. right, brother. Thank Have you. a lovely day, and uh, to all my fans, I want to say thank you for going to my Facebook page. Thank you for all your support and your letters, and um, we'll see you in the movies. Very bring good. Thank-
1: <laughs> I can't eat popcorn, but bring the popcorn. All right. Thank you.
5: Thank you, take care, congratulations yep. on the on the thinning.
1: <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, stay with it. Yep. Alright, I will bye
4: Drifting into this wretched night, slicing my heart out to set this right. A scour for words, not finding one. Nothing to salvage what's been done. I'd stitch up your brain only i had the strength to spare the doctors tried electricity but you're lost beyond repair we belong we belong Such wisdom we cannot test with his hands on my cold skin. I feel the fear stirring within. I'd stitch up your